Uh, but read with me, Colossians 3, 1 through 11. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above and not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Father, we thank you for this moment to be together as brothers and sisters. And Lord, in this moment, I pray our hearts and our minds are opened, that they're open to your Holy Spirit. May your Holy Spirit work in us, speak to us, and transform us more into your image. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going to let you in on a little secret about myself this morning. Uh, and this is a thing that not a lot of people know about me. Uh, Laurie, of course, and Anna, my, my Anna Lee knows about it. My mom and dad who are here know about it. And, uh, you know, I think the office staff, Angela and Justin, and I think Nan has learned it over the last few weeks and months, uh, that this is just this weird quirk that I have. And it, it's, it's kind of a big deal I'm telling you this. I just want you to know. Or, or I'm just hyping it up for the purposes of the sermon. I don't know. But here it goes. I hate stains. I hate stains. They absolutely, unequivocally annoy me, and I cannot function for the rest of the day if there's a stain. And what kinds of stains might you ask? Well, I'll tell you. I hate stains on any surface I can see. But especially, I hate stains on clothes. I can't stand them. I mean, it's bad, people, when I talk about this. My biggest fear every Sunday when I come up to preach is not that I'll forget what I say, but that I'll spill grape juice on my clothes and have a big stain on my clothes and I won't know what to do about it. It's ridiculous, I know, but I have been known to change my shirt because of a stain. I have been known, and Angela can say this, to get up, leave my office, go home quick, take off my shirt or pants, put on another shirt and pants, just so I don't have a stain on it. I've also been known to bring a spare shirt to the office just in case. It's weird, I know. But if you have a stain on your shirt, I will stare at it <laughs> because it will annoy me that much. It's crazy, I know, and my family makes fun of me, and I, it's, it's bad even to say because it's a first world problem, but I have even been known to buy another shirt when I couldn't have one just to not have a stain on it. And so Paul, to the Colossians in our text for today, in verses 9 and 10, and you probably noticed it, says this. Seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its 
creator. Paul, continuing on this theme from last week, and he's continuing right on the theme that we talked about last week, the same theme of baptism, is telling slash reminding the Colossians that their baptism into Christ changed everything. And not only that, as we read this text, we notice that baptism is a lived and expressed way of life for the believer. It's more than just some kind of inner cleanliness notion. Paul seems to take it as an expressed way of living. That what's cleaning on the outside is also going to be cleaning on the uh, what's cleaning on the inside is also going to be cleaning on the outside. To Paul the baptized, and this is not figurative, took off the stained covered clothes of the earthly things, and so you can imagine why I like this text, and put on the clothes of Christ. What we may think of as white robes. Our bodies What we do and what we say are an actual embodied reality to those in the world that we live under a different rule. The first four verses of Colossians 3. You've been raised with Christ. So what? Seek the things from above. Set your minds on the things that are from above, not on the things on below, the things in earth. By the way, the things that get dirty... Because you died to Christ. Get this, our lives are no longer about the things of this world. And what does that mean? Well, I really liked, I was reading this week, how one writer, Scott McKnight, said this. He said, flesh-mindedness leads to flesh-living, while spirit-mindedness leads to spirit-drenched living. There's a different way of living in here. And here's the thing, and we all have to admit it at some point, just like I just had confession with you, we all have to admit it at some point, we're all held captive by the earthly things. We're all held captive by the powers and principalities. Now, you might say, not me, but Paul tells us we all were at one point. Paul says in that middle part of 5 through 8, you were once held captive by this. You were once here. And so we have to admit at some point, and even maybe today, that there are still little parts of the earthly way of living, the things of the dirt, the things down below, that might still at times stain our clothes a little bit. But Paul says that our baptism was the beginning of a changed perspective. We put on the clothes of a new team, is what Paul says. When you put on those clothes, when you put on the clothes of the new team... The old team is not going to like it. And here's what I mean by that. Who remembers in 2003, in 2004, that Emmett Smith played for the Arizona Cardinals? Who remembers that? Mickey, of course, because Mickey remembers everything. Uh, but who remembers that Emmett Smith played for the Arizona Cardinals? I thought for one year. For two years he played for the Cardinals. I can remember it, and it just wasn't right. Like Emmett Smith, when my sports consciousness in 88 and 89 began to really rev up, Emmett Smith was like one of the guys. It's the only reason I know that the Cowboys used to be a good team. <laughs> was because of Emmett Smith. It didn't make any sense when I saw Emmett Smith in 2003 and 2004 playing for the Cardinals. Like he put on the clothes of a new team and there was this cognitive dissonance in my life that just didn't make any sense. I mean... For the teenagers and youth of today, it would be like Dirk Nowitzki deciding he wanted to go play for someone else. It just wouldn't make any sense. Or my dad being here, it would mean that Mickey Mantle would not wear pinstripes, but he would wear something else. Mickey Mantle, who's my dad's favorite player. 
This is what I'm talking about here. Paul says that when, you're, when you enter into the waters of baptism, you put on a jersey of a new team, and the old team doesn't like what it sees. And so it causes a bit of cognitive dissonance when we come out of the waters and we begin to see and experience this new team that we're on. Well, that is what Paul is saying to the Colossians and to us today. Baptism caused us to change teams. It caused a cognitive dissonance in the world in the moment in which you came out. I know we don't ever think about this kind of idea that like your baptism was that important, but it really was. The minute you went into the water and out of the water, you caused a dissonance in the world to the powers and principalities because what they once thought was theirs, you, you've now said, no, I've given my allegiances to another team. I've signed a new contract. We're no longer playing for the team we were just playing for a few minutes ago. But when our bodies came out of the water, we started playing for a new team. And our allegiances have changed in that moment. We're now seeking different things. We seek the good of the Father. Our allegiances now are to Christ. And here's what Paul would be telling the Colossians. Your allegiances are no longer tied to the good of the state. Think Rome. Your allegiances are no longer tied to Rome. Nor are they tied to Caesar. Caesar to the Colossians, especially the Gentiles, is no longer your Lord. John in Revelation asked the same question to the seven churches in Asia Minor. John's basic question is, who is your Lord? Your confession is either going to be to Lord, to Jesus, or your confession is going to be to Caesar. And that confession, as we read Revelation, is everything. It will have implications on how you live your life in relation to neighbor, in relation to stuff, and ultimately to Christ. Baptism becomes, in verses, we see this in, in verse 5 of chapter 3, baptism then becomes, as Paul has continued on the sense, baptism is become our moral break with earthly things. As verse 5 says this, it says, put to death all of these things. We have died to the old ways of the world. We've died to the old ways of state and Caesar. Those old ways, as we might think about with the Colossians using the term Rome and Caesar, are not much different than they are today. We might look around and they sound different, but their playbook is the same. The old ways are the new ways. And when we read this list from verses 5 through 8 that Paul says, put to death, we can't, hope, we can't notice that what they do is they create disunity. Did you know? I mean, all of these things create disunity. Disunity within, within the marital bonds. Disunity within the neighborly bonds. Disunity within the community bonds. They create disunity. They create hate. And they create exclusion. When we read these lists of sins, I believe we shouldn't miss what's going on here. The list focuses on a self-centered way in which you become the most important. Everything Paul has been continually speaking against over the last three chapters of this to get us to move towards, to get the Colossians to move towards what it means to have a Christ-centered way of life. Paul says there was an old way in which you were a self-centered way of life in which all of these fornication, impurity, passion, evil, desire, greed, which I like how Paul says, oh, by the way, that's idolatry, just in case you're wondering. All of these things become this idolatry of what? Of self. But he goes on to say, but here's what you also got to get rid of. If some of us may be thinking, well, I've never done that, 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 or that, so I'm good, Paul. Well, who in here has been angry in the last week? Yeah. Who in here showed a little wrath towards somebody? Okay. Who in here is maybe malice, you know, slandered someone? Just a little, not bad, just a little bit. And who in here may have heard, may have used a little abusive language? 
well, now you're just meddling, Paul. Now you're just making it hard. But here's the thing, when we really think about it, this list focuses on this self-centered way, the way in which it can cause disunity, hate, and exclusion. My desire, my status, my power are what is most important. The way of harmony and peace is superseded by the way of broken relationships, violence, and unity. And here's the thing. We talk about stains and covered clothes, and Paul speaks about this. We become stained when we begin to delve into the earthly ways of living. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that that about this earthly way of living? They're not clean. You're always going to have to get a little bit dirty. You may have to be a little bit dishonest. You know what I'm talking about. The white lie. I don't know why we call it a white lie, but it's like we, we cleaned it up a little bit, right? It's a lie, but let's clean it up and call it a white lie. No, when we, when we delve into the earthly things, you got to get dirty. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to lose. But when our, when our minds are set on the earthly things, then what we seem to get is discord and disunity. We see that as Paul writes to the Corinthians. As he's looking at him and saying, guys, you become divided because it's all about you and who you want to follow and who's the most important. And he says in the first chapter, and what's he saying? All that's being sown is discord and disunity. When Caesar is Lord of our lives, what we produce in our lives is what the state says is most important. What happens, and we notice this, is our practices mimic what the society around us tells us it should. And we try to maybe clean them up a little bit by putting the word white lie or, oh, it's not that bad. Or we do degrees of things, you know, like this one's not as bad as this one. And, and yet Paul says in the very first part of, chapter, of verse 5, he uses this very bold statement, put to death all. This is where it starts getting hard. This is where Christ starts meddling in our lives. This is the part where we're not sure if we're really ready to put on those new clothes. Because in baptism, we become a new self, a new creation, as he speaks about 9 and 10. And baptism means that all things are new in our lives. All things are new in our lives, from how we view relationships, to how we view business practices, to how we view our neighbors, to how we view our relatives. All of these things change. Not just some, but all have been transformed into new things. Baptism is then our stain remover. It is the giving of our new clothes. It is this, uh, this image I always have of what they used to do back in the early part of the church is, is people would come out of the water and they would have a new garment ready for them, a brand new garment to put on. The imagery of you're actually putting on new clothes that you have been transformed and become a new person i'm not sure if we think about it that way anymore it'd be kind of cool to do that it is this constant ongoing cognitive dissonance in our own life we can't stand to see our lives with stains and baptism is a new set of clothes speaking a new way of life into the world and all we come in contact with when people see us they notice when people see us they ask questions when people see us they wonder And that's a big ask because it's so much easier to continue to live in the world on the outside but think that we're different on the inside. Better yet, it's easier to rationalize our way of being in the world with a certain way of thinking because it's just easier. Well, Russell, you don't understand what I'm having to deal with. You don't understand what they're doing here. Well, in my line of work, I have to do this, this, and this. But you know, 
Have you ever noticed that? We're really good at rationalizing certain things. But on the inside, I'm okay. But on the outside, I may have to do a few things. That ain't it. It's just not it. There's no rationalizing. There's no rationalizations in Christ. I hope we've noticed that. Even in Michael's class this, uh, today, we noticed that. When, when Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, Hey, folks, I hate to break it to you, but you can't serve both God and mammon. It's not as if Jesus said, Well, but if, if you're this, then you can. Jesus makes it a little bit difficult. He makes it hard. He says, one or the other, but you can't, got, you can't have two. There's only a radical way of living. We might want to rationalize the stains of the world on our new garments because it's just easier. Because living the way of Christ is hard. I mean, it's hard. I mean, loving your, in, loving your neighbor is hard. Loving your enemy is hard. Turning the other cheek is hard. Not living by the sword is hard. Regarding others as better than yourselves, that's hard. But those are the clothes that we changed into at our baptism. It really is. And if you think otherwise, well then, be here in January. We'll start a whole new series of Mark, and we'll just look straight at the life of Christ, and we'll see just how difficult it is. Baptism is our move into Christ-centeredness. Christ removes the stains of our old clothes and offers us new clothes, new clothes for a new kingdom. And why would we want to stain our new clothes with the ideas and the way of the dirt of the world? Again, what Scott McKnight says, but I like this. In Christ, the old is just passe. When we put on new clothes, we look at our new clothes and say, why would I want to dirty them with the old stuff again? hierarchies, domination, disunity are all obliterated in Christ. Our baptism is that confession to the world that those earthly things have been washed off of us. And my only wonder is this. I wonder what clothes people are seeing us wearing today. Do they notice the new clothes of a new kingdom? Do they see the new robes or do they see still the old ones? Do they notice that we look different and sound different? And for some of us who've been around doing it for a while, I wonder if the stains even bother us anymore. We just look at them and go, eh, oh well. Not realizing that maybe that stain on that new garment caused someone to be hurt. The way of Jesus is hard. The clothes Christ offers us are not easy to wear. They can get uncomfortable sometimes. And maybe they are supposed to because that's the type of living these new clothes call us to. It will push us beyond ourselves. It reminds us of a new status, of a new place. A few weeks ago, I was reading a story on, uh, on the Dallas Morning News, and it talked about an, a Grand Prairie family. This Grand Prairie family opened their home to an Afghan family of five. Uh, here's the thing. This household already has two small children running around the house, and, and all of a sudden, when they started noticing the, what was going on in Afghanistan and refugees coming, they looked around and said, hey, you know what? We have a spare room. We can do something about it. So they welcomed in a family of five to their already family of four because they realized they had one spare room. So one of the kids moved in with the other kid. And his family, Afghan family of five, came in and began to live with them. And this Afghan family, who had gone through a lot just to get to the United States, was forever grateful for this one family. But it was interesting what the mom said about all this. And it caught me. She says, life has no meaning unless you're helping other people and trying to make life easier for those that you meet. 
Maybe that's the new clothes. Those, when you wear those clothes, people say, there's something different about those people. Life has no meaning unless you're helping other people and trying to make life easier for those you meet. Christ-centeredness is going to come with new clothes, and those new clothes tap into a power that can bring life out of death. Life out of death. I think I can change my shirt for that. There may be someone in here who's wondering if, you may be looking at your clothes and being man, I got some stains. That's all right. The waters of baptism wipe those things out. And you start new with a new set of clothes, a new community of people. We're all wearing the same thing. That's the beauty of that last verse, chapter, you know, verse 11. Sounds a lot like Galatians 3.28. Probably a big theme for Paul. The new, clue, the new clothes seem to change our status and just level that playing field. No disunity, harmony and peace, looking for the better for somebody else, making life meaningful because we're helping and not hurting. And maybe you're thinking, that sounds pretty good, or looking at your clothes saying, they're a little, I'd like a new set. Someone next to you can talk to you about it. We'll have people up here who can, who can start talking to you about it and journeying with you to the waters of baptism. It's the best stain remover we got. If you have any needs this morning, come now as we stand and as we sing.